Hallelujah. Great to be back in the house of the Lord. Good to see each and every one. <coughs> Sadly, there's still uh, some that are dealing with sicknesses. Um, Michelle is um, not here today. She's uh, sick and, um, and uh, some others, but uh, we're just thankful to God for this day God has given us to come out to his house and to worship him. Again, we will be back in service tonight, um, 6 o'clock, and um, uh, the, uh, the ladies' day is coming up uh, really quick. We'll be here before you know it, and already uh, some are working, uh, trying to get things prepared, and uh, they're asking for all the women to meet in the fellowship hall after service. Uh, to discuss that, and um, Brother Larry Flannery's wife, Sister Becky, is going to be speaking for the ladies this year, so that's um, uh, probably going to be a really good time, and also uh, to kind of um, start getting you uh, <coughs> prepared Um uh, our spring revival will take place in April. Um, uh, it's the 13th, 14th, 15th uh, of April, and Brother Flannery will be here preaching that revival. Um, so um, we are praying for that and asking God to uh, put his blessing upon it. Amen. Praise God. You love the Lord, say amen. amen. Hallelujah. We're going to get started in our message uh, today, and um, we're going to, first of all, read just a short passage of Scripture, and I've got a lot of Scripture, so I'm going to be reading today, but uh, we're going to begin, this is going to be a focused text. Um, this uh, message will begin today, and we'll be continued, it is a uh, going to be a series um, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 38. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 38. And it's on the screen there. You can open your Bibles even which you prefer. But this is what it is said, and this is the words of Jesus. And he, and uh, we can say, he or she who does not take their cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Do we realize what a powerful statement that is? Um, there have been some things said in this morning's service that has given me confirmation on my message uh, by some. But he, Jesus said, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Fathers, we come today. We thank you and we praise you for this day you have given us. 
to be in your house to worship you and to give our praise and honor unto you. And now, Lord, we go to the Word of God, and I'm asking God that you will touch us through your Word. I pray for a spirit of revelation to come across this congregation and a spirit of eagerness of once you have revealed to us the things that you desire from us. Bless each and every one today in the mighty, magnificent name that's above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. Let everybody say, God bless you, and you can be seated. We're going to be speaking beginning today and uh, in um, the following weeks ahead on a series of messages that I've entitled Living a Cross-Shaped Life. Living a Cross-Shaped Life. I've spent much prayer in preparation into this, and although we've kind of gotten a slow start on the new year because of certain circumstances, um, I really feel like God is directing our minds to something that we need to strive our utmost to do this year, living a cross-shaped life. We've already entered the new year. We're beginning, we've already jumped into it. And I want to say that there are opportunities at our disposal to advance in the realm of God's kingdom in a fresh and mighty way. Now, the number eight in Scripture is a number of new beginnings. And since we have the number eight in 2018, we should allow the advantage of it be used to enter this new season of our lives with gratitude. That God is enabling us to begin a fresh and new relationship with him and also with all the people he has entrusted with us to enhance, encourage, and impact their lives in a positive and eternal way. I don't know about you, but I want to be able to impact the lives of people. I want to be able to feel their concerns, their hurts, and their pains. But most of all, I want to be able to be able to introduce them to someone that can take care of those things for them. And the only way that's going to be possible if we start focusing on the cross. Now, over time, as I've strived to live a life pleasing and uplifting to Christ, 
I have learned that in order to be successful in the Christian walk, the cross has to preside as the apex of our life. Amen. The cross should be the apex of your life. If the cross is not foremost in your daily life, then becoming a true disciple of Jesus will never be accomplished. You can't handle it without the cross. You can't make it without the cross. Hallelujah. If the cross is not foremost in your daily life, then becoming a true disciple of Christ will never be accomplished and all your efforts will only be half-hearted failures. Now, I want to stop and say this. In prayer and seeking God, I, I felt in my spirit that God is looking down on his church and being grieved because now we're not talking about the world we're not talking about those that are not in the church we are talking about those that have come in and profess Christianity most of us today, including myself, we have lost the grip of what the cross means. The church today does not focus on the cross like the church of previous days. I can remember a time when, when a preacher or a Bible or a Sunday school teacher could only mention the cross and people's eyes would well up with tears. And people could feel what it was that Jesus must have went with and what he went through for your salvation. Nobody in here, nobody watching by live stream really understand what it means by somebody to die on the cross. Being crucified on the cross is long gone. And we are so far removed from it that we have lost the meaning of the pain and the suffering and the sorrow and all the things that go with the cross. And I think that grieves the heart of God because we get focused on so many other things. But we need to get back to the point in the place that when I look at Calvary and I look at the suffering that went, took place there for me, that there should be some tears in my eyes I should get a little bit of feeling about how much he suffered to give me what I've got. 
what he went through that I could have eternal life. We have lost that somewhere along the way, church. You need to get along somewhere in the room and begin to do a little meditation just, just on the cross and really think about it. Do some reading about how somebody really died on the cross and pray for God to put that back down in your spirit to where every time somebody just mentions the cross, you are moved with sorrow because we have forgotten some things along the way. To be successful in any venture in life, whatever venture you undertake, if it's a career, a job of some kind, <coughs> whatever it may be, to be successful in any venture, you must have full and complete understanding of the nature of whatever it is you desire to achieve. Amen. That's a must. Apart from that, your efforts will become frustrating and brutal. And the same holds true in Christian life. If the cross is so important to my discipleship, what does it mean to live a cross-shaped life? What am I talking about? What does it mean to live a life that's cross-shaped? Far too many old schoolers, which now that's not actually a bad thing. I mean, I'm... I'm an old schooler myself in many ways. But far too many old schoolers, and listen to what Pastor says here now, we want to cling to that old-time religion. But let me tell you something. Christianity becomes best set apart from other belief systems when we approach it in terms of a relationship rather than a religion. Pastor has preached that to you for years. Hallelujah. We should not look at Christianity as a religion, but as a relationship. I remember from some of my old Bible college study days that we studied the word religion. And I remember that the word religion comes from an old Latin root word that means to bind or that which binds. Did you know that's what religion mean, means? Something that binds. And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus' own word reputes that when he said in John chapter 8 and verse 36, whosoever the Son makes free shall be free indeed. That's nothing about your salvation. It's going to make, it's going to be binding to you. Hallelujah. When you live that cross-shaped life. Now with that in mind, 
the course of our studies on living the cross-shaped life will basically be dealing with relationships. That's what we're going to be dealing with. As I talk to you about living the cross-shaped life, I'm going to be talking about relationships. First, our relationship with our Heavenly Father, then succeeding with our relationship with others or our fellow man. You see, when you live the cross-shaped life, it is about a relationship with God and it's about a relationship with other people. Now, I'm going to ask some folks to kind of help me just, um, uh, just for a moment. Um, let, let me just step down here. Uh, Ricky, you and Angie, would y'all come up here, please? And just, just stand right there, be fine. Marsha and Travis. He cut that long myself there. Hallelujah. All right, that's fine. This is what God recently allow, allowed me to see concerning the cross. And on something that I have never thought about before in all the years I've been ministering. It's about living a cross-shaped life. First of all, if you'll notice the cross on the wall behind me, To have a cross, you got two lines. You got a vertical line, which is the base or the foundation. Then you got a horizontal line. Vertical and horizontal. This is what God allowed me to see. To live a cross-shaped life. It's about my relationships. Number one, and foremost, the basis and the foundation, it's about my relationship with God, the vertical of the cross. This is what connects me to God. That center post of the cross. And about my relationship with Him. Secondly, you got the horizontal bar on the cross. And it's about what connects me to others. How my relationship fits with other people. Both things matter in the sight of God. It matters with God about my relationship with Him. And it matters, God, about my relationship with other people, how I relate to them, mostly how I treat them. Thank you, all Y'all can sit down. Let that kind of soak in just a minute. (coughs) 
So the cross-shaped life is about living a life in the shape of a cross, having a proper relationship, number one with God, and number two with other people. There is nothing in God's mind more important than those two things. Now, we get caught up in a lot of add-on stuff that really don't benefit us at all. When God wants us to focus on the cross, your relationship with him, and then secondly, your relationship with others. I'm going to take you to Mark chapter 12, and we're going to read verse 28 through 33. And you're going to better understand this, I believe. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard from them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first and commandment of all? Verse 29. And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord thy God. <laughs> like I said, I got some confirmation about this. It was spoken about giving God everything. You shall love the Lord your God with a double L, all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. This is the center post of the cross. My relationship with God. Hallelujah. I've got to love him. That's the foundation of everything. But he didn't stop there. And the second is like it. It is this. You shall love your, your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Did you know that that includes Acts 2.38? Do you know that's greater than Acts 2 and 4? Well, they got the Holy Ghost and spoke in other tongues. I didn't say it. The book says it. There's no commandment greater. There's nothing else greater in the book than these two things. The cross. It's the shape of a cross. Your relationship with God. Oh, hallelujah. And your relationship with other people. That is the cross beam. Hallelujah. That, so the scribe said to him, well said, teacher, 
You have spoken the truth. For there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, and all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Hallelujah. That is what God desires the most from his church and his people. Now the first part, today and to, uh, next Sunday, and I don't know if we we'll go past that, but we're going to be dealing with that, horror, that, um, uh, that vertical bar of the cross. The relationship that you got with God. So our message today, if they'll put that title back up about living the cross shaped life, we're going to talk about loving God more than anyone or anything. Loving God more than anyone or anything. That is a foundational truth that I don't care how much we try, we cannot get away from. Hallelujah. It's the first of all commandments. <laughs> Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Do you know? I don't know how many do know. But Jewish people, for more than 3,000 years, have quoted this, these scriptures. They do it two times every day. And they still do it today. It's still a part of their daily life. They recite these, these things. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Jews, they recite that in the morning and they recite that in the evening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if we want to do more and to achieve more in the kingdom of God, we got to get back to focusing on the cross. And not just focus on it, but try to live our life in the shape of a cross. Constantly working on our relationship with God and our relationship with other people. There's another scripture that says, How in the world can you love God whom you ain't seen if you don't love your brother whom you have seen? Huh? Hallelujah. And guess what? The Bible don't give me no exceptions on that. Hallelujah. The Bible will give me no back door on that. How can I love God if I ain't never seen him? If I don't love my brother and sister that I have seen, but I don't love them. <coughs> How in the world... If I don't love everybody and treat everybody the same, if I'm going around the room 
and I'm hugging necks, and I don't hug brother so-and-so's neck because, man, I hate to get close to him because his breath always smells. You see, love costs you some things. I remember actually as a kid, there was a woman in the neighborhood. Everybody in the neighborhood, before my dad pastored that little mission, it was a mission church. Nobody knew that woman's name because everybody called her doggy. The reason why they called her dog is because all the men she would have all the time. Something impressed upon her. We was in service. I was just a kid. I was no more than eight or nine year old. Guess who came walking in the front door of the church? And everybody turned around because the odor preceded her. And she sat through the service, and when the altar call was given, she came to the altar. And I can remember as a kid, you better be careful how you act around kids, because they take notice. There were some who wouldn't get close enough to her to pray with her because of her odor. But there were some standing beside her praying for, so help me, holding their nose. But they were still praying. Uh, Our life has to demonstrate the love of Christ and the cross of Christ. Now, let me move on. I've got to hurry. The first act and we're talking, to, we're talking today about uh, developing a meaningful relationship with God or the Father. The first act in a meaningful relationship with God is love. Amen. Love the Lord thy God with what? Your total being. Love should be the motivating factor and everything you do for him. Whatever you do for God should be motivated by only one thing, and that's love. Everything you do for God, where it's getting up and making a sacrifice to come to church, whether it's going ahead and putting money in the offering, where you know you're going to have a tight lead financially anyway, but you still put the Lord first, Whatever it is that you do, love should be the motivating factor. Now, I'm going to tell you right here. If your devotion to God is based on fear, and a lot of people's relationship on God is based on fear, I don't want to be judged or I don't want to go to hell. If your relationship with God is based on fear or if it's based on reciprocation, 
What do I mean by that? Reciprocation is I'll do for you if you'll do for me. If you, whatever you do for God, you do it personally. You got a selfish motive. Maybe if I start doing this for God, he'll do this for me. Then the relationship is flawed and won't be beneficial to you or God. Whether it's based on fear or reciprocation. Everything you do for God should come out. There should be a strong love, a burning, hallelujah, love. Amen. I'm talking about the love of the devils. You should sing about burning love. Hallelujah. There should be a strong burning love. It's a passion. Remember what God, God told the church of Ephesus? He said, you have left what? Hallelujah. And when I talked on the seven churches, I brought out and showed you that first love is that passionate love. Hallelujah. I can't serve God because I fear of dying and going to hell. I can't serve God out of reciprocation. Maybe if I do this for God, he'll do this for me. Everything I do for the Lord has got to be based out of my love, my love for him. That's the first thing in your relationship with God. Now, I want you to turn to somebody and tell them God doesn't have love. Go ahead. Tell somebody God doesn't have love. Has pastor gone out the deep end or what? No. I'm telling you truth. God doesn't have love. God is love. There's a difference. God doesn't have love. God is love. If you don't believe that, open up 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8. That's what it says. God is love. He is the personification of love. If you can grasp that, then you will know that when it comes to love, you can't fool God. There used to be a guy on, on uh, wrestling they called brotherly love. Somebody actually had the nerve to walk into church one time and say, Pastor, you remind me of brotherly love. <laughs> he would walk out and tell everybody, I love you. Then turn right around and hand a chair to his his wrestler buddy so I can crack him over, the other guy on over the head with it. <laughs> if God is love, you're not going to be able to fool him about love. Hallelujah. It's not what you say, it's what you do. Hallelujah. Not what you say. If you can grasp that God is love, 
then you can get a hold of that. He knows when our words of love that we say to him are true and faithful or if they're just lip service being vain and empty. Now as we endeavor to live a cross-shaped life, that vertical line of the cross, the one that connects you to him, that vertical line is a foundation and it's anchored by love. If you don't have that love for God today, you're wasting your time sitting in the church house on Sundays. If I don't have that kind of love for God, I'm wasting my time getting up behind a pulpit and preaching every Sunday. Now, I only got one point about this, and that's making God your treasure. Because we're talking about the first thing of having a real love for God and let, letting our love for God be the, be the focus of everything we do for Him. The only way you can do that is make God your treasure. A treasure is something that you hold very dearly. Um, it's not all times money uh, and things of that nature, but when people have a house fire and their house burns down and they're sad over what has happened, the living room suit that burned up is not the treasure. The refrigerator that got burned up is not the treasure. Clothes in the closet is not the treasure. Time and time again, I've heard people on TV as news reporters interview them, and they say, I lost my memorabilia, pictures of my babies when they was little and growing up. Your treasure is things that can't be replaced. You hear what I'm saying? To you. What may be your treasure might not be my treasure. Vice versa. So we have got to make God our treasure. Now, a lot of people are fickled human beings. Now, being, to be fickled is to be changing frequently, especially in regards to your loyalty, your interest, and your affection. Now, that's, that's according to what Mr. Webster said. I looked it up. To be fickled is to be changing frequently in your loyalty, your interest, and your affection. People are fickle because they can't prioritize and ascertain true value. How many times do we overlook the true value of things that God has given us? What's really valuable in our lives? What's really important in our lives? Amen. People can't get a hold of that. Many such only live for the moment, never giving second thoughts to where the path that they are traveling is going to take them. Too many people live for the moment right now. What can I get pleasure out of right now? And they don't never think about the path that they're on 
where it's going to lead them. They don't think about that. Hallelujah. They only place value on temporary pleasures and passing fantasies. But if you understand the value of the cross, come on somebody. If you understand the value of the cross in preparation for eternity and you know the importance of living a cross-shaped life, then you will make God your number one desired treasure and you will sacrifice everything to grasp that treasure. You will see God is more important than your home. You will see as God is more important than your car or any of your personal things. You will see God as being more important than your 401k. You got to make him your treasure. Developing that relationship between you and God. Matthew 13, 45 and 46. And again, now listen to this. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Hallelujah. Jesus is the pearl of great price. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart. Realize the value of building a relationship with him. Make God your valued treasure. He is the pearl of great price. Nothing you have or can ever attain can be worth any more to you than him. Nobody in here owns or it will ever own anything of more importance than Jesus Christ in your life. Because we are talking about not just a time span of only your life on earth, but I'm talking about all eternity. That's what we're talking about. Focus on heaven. Take your eyes off the treasures of the earth. I'm going to quit right there. I'm, I'm not finished, but I'm going to quit. Living a cross-shaped life. We're going to be talking about developing a meaningful relationship with God the Father. And our first message, loving God more than any, anyone or anything. If you... Strive to do this. 2018 will be the greatest year that you've ever had. God has got things prepared for you that his word says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered the hearts of man. I don't know about you, but I want to see people saved, healed, and delivered. I want to see people get what they need when they come to this house. And that happens by living a cross-shaped life. I told this Wednesday night to those that was here Wednesday night. And I've quit preaching. I'm fixing to go to the keyboard. <coughs> this past week was another minister's conference 
in Louisiana called The Calls of the Times. And um, I haven't been able to go in a long time. I'd love to be able to go back down because ministers need to get refilled and renourished themselves. But um, that church and the leadership of that church has a special place in my heart. When we start living a cross-shaped life, you can begin to do, as the Bible says, you can call things that are not as though they are. Anthony Megan, he was preaching about leaving a legacy. Brother Bobby knows who I'm talking about. His father, G.A., was a prophet. He wasn't just a pastor and minister. He was a prophet. He had a prophetic call on his life. He spent two hours of every day in his office in prayer. He fasted at least one day of every week, a lot of times more. And Anthony was telling, and I knew a lot of things about the elder uh, Mangan, but I didn't know this story. Service had started, and they had just gotten in their new building. It was about 1987, 1988. They just dedicated that big new building, one that would seat about 3,000 people at the time. It seats more now since we've been there. They've increased the size of it. Anthony said he started service and his dad hadn't come in yet. He was still in his office praying. He said, I was just a young, young preacher. He said, I, I didn't know nothing. He said, and as I was starting service, he said, over on this side, he said, there was a lady that just dropped dead in the church. He says, now, I, I, I wouldn't be able to call that or judge that. I didn't know nothing about it. He said, but we had, we had several people uh, in our congregation that were registered nurses, and every one of them said she was dead. They called the paramedics. The paramedics came in. People was backing up, moving out of the way. The paramedics come in. Paramedics said she was dead. And while they was getting ready to transfer, Brother Adam, his dad, came out of the side from praying. He said, Anthony, what's going on? He said, I was scared death. He said, I told that. He said, Dad, there, there's a woman dead over here. His dad just lifted up a finger like that. He did that a lot. He just lifted up that finger, and these are the words he said. She was dead. Do you hear that? Before even going over there, looking or knowing, Five or six qualified people have already declared her dead, laying on the floor. 
Dad, she's dead. He said, she was dead. That man came off of that platform on that side, jumped up on the pews, walked the pews over to where she was laying in between one of those pews, laid hands on her in Jesus' name, and she began to gasp two or three times and stood up, breathing. That's what living a cross-shaped life would do for you, folks. Loving the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul. Let's stand together.